What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers from the same mother, still giving you their fantasy takes, hits, and analysis, and everything in between. It's your boy, Derek, as usual. Of course, here with the big bro, Daryl. Daryl, my man, we're here to the NFC South side today. What's going on with you? Shock and rocket. Um, <laughs> Hey man, I am I'm good. I I can hear the NFL train in the distance. Like yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just rumbling. You can see like a little bit of the smoke coming up out of the <laughs> out of the steam out of the steam shaft, whatever you call that, and in the horizon. Like it's it's a coming. It's a coming. It's it's been a little bit of a slow kind of dead period these last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, but training camp on the way. Ooh, boy the goosebumps are here baby yes sir things are heating up the coals are being put on the fire i guess before we dive into the nfc south i just want to get your opinion on something real quick sure what you think about this saquon barkley news we got yeah so for those who may not know um saquon seems like he's gonna push it to the brink on on um if he's gonna sign his franchise tag and you know there's chatter out there saying that his status for week one could be in jeopardy if the giants don't give him a long-term deal i'm i kind of think he's he's backing them down into a corner because he really is kind of like the only the only home run hitter that that they have at least the only proven one um you know depending on what you think a waller and you know what you can ex- what you think you can expect to get out of Jalen Hyatt um, like early in the season. I've I think he's backing them down in into a corner, and I I side with him, man. I, I I side with him. They have his rights for another year after this, and they could conceptually tack him again. Um, but yeah, he's only got one more year left on his deal and whatnot. Like. I'm 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 with him both morally and I think that it's uh, you know it makes the most sense for the Giants to give that man his money. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think you just got to back up the Brinks, man. Give him give him a contract that's comparable to some of these top 5 paid running backs and like keep it moving, man. Like what you going to run out there? Who they got? Matt Brader or somebody out there? Like, nah, you can't be doing that. Get this man signed. Yeah. Now, maybe they're thinking, oh, man, you you want to do that? We'll, we'll just go get Dalvin. But then Dalvin's not going to want to play for just a one-year contract either. Uh, maybe Fournette would, but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think they have many, many better options, man. Right. And especially, you know, coming off a playoff appearance, you get a playoff win there, like – just pay your guys. You gotta pay. Gotta pay these guys, man. Um, yeah. At least in this situation. But let's let's transition. Let's get into what the pod is here for. Again, the NFC South. That'd be those Tampa Bay Bucks, the Saints. We also got the Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons in this division as well. We'll start with last year's winner. That was the Tampa Bay Bucks. With a stellar eight and nine record <laughs> over under for this season is six and a half wins. Oy, they 
And that's to be expected when you lose the GOAT, if you will, one of the best quarterback to have ever played the game. Yeah, I said it. Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. You now get to put out there Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Uh, Both of these guys, per Fantasy Pros, come in ranked as QB 32 and 40. I mean, that that pretty much tells you his 32 starting quarterbacks in this league and Baker's ranked as the worst one for (laughs) fantasy. So, um, My notes on this are Medville, good luck. Um, In regards to who's going to start, um, it seems as though they're looking at it as being a a competition, both guys through uh, first-team reps, if I understand, in OTAs. But at least with Baker, he had 12 games last year with uh, Carolina and the Rams. For the most part, it wasn't good. He had a couple of nice performances uh, with the Rams, including that uh, first game with Vegas. And then, of course, they demolished uh, the Broncos. Um, as far as what to expect, they did have a uh, Dave Canales who was working in the passing game in Seattle come over here. So, you know, what he did as far as those last three years, including uh, with Geno, it's pretty decent work. But overall, like with these two quarterbacks, not excited for any fantasy prospects at all, even though they have some very solid weapons in the wide receiver room. Thoughts on these guys? Um, one, Kyle Trask, that's an unfortunate last name for him because it's just one letter off from, I don't, I don't want to say it, but you know, <laughs> but anyway, um, as far as Baker goes, I'm, in underdog best ball, this man isn't being drafted. Like he's, he, he's average position is, does not exist. Um, maybe there's a chance for him to, you know, to respark the career. I didn't know this, this bit you said about the, um, Seahawks passing game coordinator or whatever, coming down to maybe sprinkle a little magic dust on, on Bay, on Mayfield, um, kind of like he did with Gino. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't for fantasy though. I'm not, I'm not too interested in him. I'm certainly not interested in him in redraft, like at this point, you know, he's going to have to put something down on paper and then maybe he'll come in as my bi-week filler or something like that. But um, yeah. So, and in best ball, I'm definitely, I'm I'm definitely like not interested in him either. You know, so yeah, that, that quarterback room is a total, total skip for me, but just real quick, you know, in preparing for this, I went and looked at Baker's page on player on player profiler and man, he profiled so damn well, like as far as his college production numbers and just nothing in the NFL, man. Yeah. Nothing in the NFL. <laughs> What's his name? Um, Odell's dad is vindicated every day, man. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. And I remember that year it was like big hype with him either in 18 or 19. And it was like him, Jarvis Landry and Odell. And it was just not good. But let's let's move on to the running back room. We have Rashad White in here, as well as Chase Edmonds, new addition. And, of course, bringing back Keyshawn Vaughn. I'll hand this off to you, Daryl. Talk to me about these running backs. Right. So Rashad White has an underdog ADP of 82. 
coming off the board as the RB25. And so, you know, that uh, you're getting him like in the late seventh round. I kind of like that position for him. Like he's kind of, you know, it's it's not always the best thing when the argument you can make for a guy as well, he's going to get volume, you know, kind of like the James Conner argument or something like that. But at the running back position, that's, that's a gamble you make. And if you're not having to put any more than a seventh round pick into him, you know, you could, you could, you could gamble. You could go wide receiver heavy and maybe have him be one of your backs that you make your zero RB team with. So, you know, Given the right roster construction, I don't I don't mind where he's going. I'm not going out of my way to get him because he didn't put up very good stats um, last year. You know, he and Leonard Fournette were very inefficient runners. But you know, it was the boys' first year, man. So I'm willing to I'm willing to take a gamble on him. Um, as for the rest of the running back room, Chase Edmonds redemption. Eh, I'm I'm not betting on it and any circumstance, you know, he'll, he's going to have to be a waiver wire pickup for me and, um, and redraft, uh, you know, he, I say that, and, you know, like in the same sense that Rashard White didn't perform, you know, you, well, you could come back and say, well, Chase Edmonds, you know, he flops last year, but uh, why not, why not like put some faith in him for this year? Well, he had a starting, he had a starting gig in, um, in Denver, what was it? No, in Miami and just got completely buried in what was one of the most friendly offenses that, that, that you could have come across. So, you know, I'm not really interested in him. What does intrigue me though, and I'm not going to draft a guy. I'm just going to, you know, you know how you can flag players or star players in ESPN's thing. Um, and mm-hmm. so like you get news updates on him, Sean Tucker, Rookie out of um, rookie out of Syracuse. Oh, okay. The boy's profile is 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 pretty good. Is is is, is pretty good. His draft capital is not much to speak of, but he could mess around and win that um, and win the backup role to Rashad White at some at, at some point. And if he actually does turn out to be NFL good, because he he was college good, if he turns out to be NFL good, um. Yeah, he, he he could make some noise later in the season. So he's just one to watch, just one to watch. But yeah, those are my thoughts in general about the Buccaneers, man. Um, Rashad White, I'm interested at his current price, um, and depending on my roster build. Everybody else is a wait and see. Got you, got you. Yeah, particularly with Rashad White, and you mentioned it along with uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, both of these guys were very inefficient runners. Uh, Rashad White in particular, 3.7 yards per carry, but he did excel very well in the passing game with 50 receptions on uh, 58 targets and saw a 24% target per route run. And so the passing chops are there. Um, He's projecting to be the number one guy in this backfield. Now, how number one will he be and how much will they run him as a three down back? obviously TBD, but, you know, when it comes to redraft, I'm iffy on him just because he's running back 22 overall ranking is 48. Like, I don't think there's any way he's, his ADP is going to fall in the back of the fourth, early fifth. Cause if it is, he won't, he won't be seeing 
any of my rosters, but just kind of the running back bucket that he's in with tier wise on fantasy pros is Kenneth Walker, JK Dobbins, Miles Sanders, um, Damian Pierce, then him, Cam Akers, uh, James Connor, and Alexander Madison. And I'm sure these rankings will be adjusting over time, but there's at least three to four guys there that I have a little more interest in um, than him and not, not all of them are necessarily over him. So it's just going to come into how the draft will go if I'll be getting him. But based on that ranking solely on that, I won't many shares of him, especially considering that the offense will be bad. Yeah. He's one of those guys in my, in my best ball drafts that I've done. It's just, it never felt great to press the button, but it wasn't like, wasn't like I'm sitting there and I think I'm drawing dead. It was just like a, Right. Okay, I guess it's time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Chase Edmonds is, nah, man, that man was in Florida, went to Denver, back in Florida. Um, you know, highest he can do here is securing that RB two role, maybe some passing game there, but yeah, he's not going to be on any of your teams. All right. Let's transition on to the next position, the wide receivers. We have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Russell Gage here. That's kind of the the three major ones. Um, Chris Godwin's coming in as wide receiver 18, ranked as the 43rd player overall. Mike Evans at 33, 70, 33 in wide receivers, sorry, and 76 overall. Um yeah, both of these guys last year benefited from a high passing attack uh, with Tom Brady. I believe he threw 700 attempts somewhere around there. So I don't know if that no- – I don't think that number is going to be anywhere close to that this year, even though this team is not going to be good. But both of these guys should be garnering, in my opinion, close to 50% of the target share, assuming health. Um and, you know, if you have that, that's that's kind of interesting in my eyes as far as having um, ownership of these guys on my squad. But probably more so I have more interest in Chris Godwin with him working the short field and, and profiling as a guy that can work in that short field, make a, make a move and make a play there. Um, I'm not against Mike Evans as the 33rd overall wide receiver. Um, simply because he has the big play ability, but how much of that big play ability will be here in this offense? It's a tough sell for me at the current price. And then Russell Gage, I don't think you're touching in your redraft, um, but he probably will be a bi-week guy where you're picking up and starting him at some point. Yeah, um, there's probably going to be a lot of this throughout this whole podcast because this division just inspires a lot of yeah. um but yeah you know it's it's very hard to get behind the passing weapons in this offense because you know the quarterback situation is just so uninspiring um you know an underdog Godwin's ADP is 58 he's coming off as wide receiver 30 and Mike Evans is his ADP is 69 Overall, and he's coming off the board as wide receiver 36. So you're not having to pay a whole lot for them. And maybe, you know, again, this all hinges on um, on if Baker can get things turned around and, and whatnot. But the thing, you know, 
it's it's almost like we were saying with like I was saying with Rashad White, you know they're going to get the routes, you know they're going to be, you, you know they're going to be out there. I personally would feel more comfortable taking them in best ball. I feel like it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to to stomach starting off with them in redraft to me because I, you know, this could be. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, and Baker was the one who did it to DJ Moore last year. So, <laughs> yeah. um, good point. It's just, I would prefer, I would prefer to stay away. You know, at the at the right price, everybody's draftable for sure. Um, and you know, pick sixty nine for Mike Evans, who is what eight, nine, ten years deep into a thousand yard season every year. Um, you know, it's there. There are there are worse gambles to take, but um, it's just it, it's just really hard to feel inspired by them. Um, Russell Gage, I at the end of some best ball drafts, you know, I throw him in because I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna win the third um, the third receiver role, and he never really got to launch last year because he got injured from the get go. I want to say it was either concussion or hamstring. I, I can't remember which but um you know he just had an injury riddle season and the year before he was he was pretty damn good in Atlanta um I was really excited for him last year you know showing you know coming off the year he had in Atlanta in 2021 and then throwing him with Brady but you just never really got to see it um now with with Baker at the helm it's really hard to get excited about the third weapon on on this team so you know Every so often, I rotate the last guy I pick in my underdog drafts, and hey, sometimes sometimes it comes up Russell Gage, but it's never really something I'm seeking to do. For sure. And going back to what I was saying, as far as like a potential for them to see fifty percent of the target share uh, in total, like it is Baker starting at quarterback, so or at least for what we know. So to keep that in mind. And then also my note with Godwin, um, just the tier that he's in on Fantasy Pros, it's like a perfect tier that he's in with Amari Cooper, Debo, him, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, and Jerry Judy. And these are all guys that are profiling to be the number one wide receiver on their team, but they each have some kind of question or something, whether it's a new quarterback or some kind of uh quarterback that hasn't had success like Justin Fields um, per se um, in the passing game are you are you got um you know the Amari uh, Deshaun thing going there like not having full-on reps so I think where he's going within that tier is perfectly fine um, if you're going to be drafting a wide receiver in that bucket but you know that's just where I am on that with Chris Godwin yeah I feel that I feel I feel that it's um it's really just a damn shame because I like I like both yeah. of these <laughs> I like both of these receivers a lot and you know it's the kind of thing where it's like man why don't they trade these guys to the Chiefs or something I want to see Patrick what Patrick Mahomes does with these two or something <laughs> but yeah anyway just want the rich to get richer I see <laughs> I just want to see good football man I hear you I hear you. Last one with the tight end position. I have uh, Kate Auden here coming in as tight end 33. Only note I had is that 
a stream week may be available for him. One or two of them only saw nine and a half percent target share last year. So it's not much here, man. Um, he's not going to be drafted. Might be a waiver wire pickup for a week or two during bye weeks. Yeah, he's 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 not a guy who excites me at all. And he only really finds his way onto my onto my best ball rosters um, when I'm trying to like maybe complete a stack or something. But that's that that's really about it. He's never somebody that I'm that I'm seeking out um, for redraft purposes. He's going to have to be a show it, prove it type of dude for me. I, I, I just can't. Got you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the next team, man. I got the Carolina Panthers on my sheets. Carolina was seven and 10 last year. And considering everything going on with them, uh, firing of coaches, quarterbacks shifting in left and right, getting seven wins. Hey, not bad. Not bad at all. Over under coming into this season is seven and a half. To the quarterback position we go, we got Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback. Man, get out of here. It's Bryce Young show, baby. Coming in here. Welcome to the big show. First round, first pick. Coming in as QB 23 on the Fantasy Pro rankings. Hey, this man, pretty, pretty, pretty good quarterback at Alabama. Um, some notes on him. Very good under pressure. Um, I think he was probably one of the top quarterbacks in QBR rating for college quarterbacks under pressure. And he has the ability to scramble at least within the pocket and make a play as far as passing the ball down the field. We all know the concerns as far as the weight and the height, how big he is and whatnot. But you know, I'm not I'm not too concerned from that aspect of it, um, just from a pure real life football perspective. Um, I think he's a smart enough guy to when, when to take his wins, when to take the losses and get down or throw it away. Um, as far as his fantasy prospects, at least this season, I don't see the top 12 QB upside. Um, now, again, he's ranked as a 23rd quarterback, so keep that in mind. But. I think it's one of those things where he might have a couple streamable weeks um, as, again, as it comes to bye weeks and if there's a plus matchup as well, Daryl, your thoughts on Bryce. He's a, he's a tough sell to me because he has, you know, I, people talk a lot about like, you know, this might be the worst wide receiver core in the league. I wouldn't, if maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but, I think these guys that he have, like that that he has, they're they're decent, but there's no he doesn't have any star caliber weapons. And then you add on the whole rookie quarterback thing, and then you add on like not very physically imposing, you know, like in the as compared to like an Anthony Richardson and whatnot. And it's just really hard to make any kind of case for him, um, especially in redraft. In best ball, you know, he's a guy you throw on your roster. Again, y'all probably say this ad nauseum throughout these podcasts, but to complete some stacks, you know, I think he's viable in that domain. Um, you know, as compared to, you know, where I was just talking about Baker, like to me, Baker's not even viable um, as a complete, complete a stack, um, just mercy pick to me. But I, I, I would put Bryce, um, I put Bryce in there for, for that reason, but really, you know, the lack of weaponry and the rookie 
the lack of elite weaponry um, paired with being a rookie, I just I, I really can't get behind him for for this year. Now, um, I'm very interested to watch him play, though, and um, absolutely, I think he could. Yeah, I think he'll end up maybe you know. I think I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him do great things in the league. Um, but we're here for for this fantasy season, and for this fantasy season, it's a no. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> Fair enough. To the running back room we go. We got Miles Sanders, newly signed running back with the Carolina Panthers. You also have Chuba Hubbard that's returning as well. I'm going to hand it off to you. Talk to me about these running backs. Well, so Miles Sanders, he's an interesting case to me um, because of his price. He is coming off the board with an ADP of 62. So that is, you know, top of the six, you know, the five, the five, six turn and he's RB 20. I think that's kind of a fair price for him at, at, at RB 20. I think it's that price is in the fact that, you know, he's more than likely going to be the two, the, um, a two down banger on a not very great on a, on kind of a low ceiling offense, but you know, if things go right, you know, I, I really, is, I just have a tough time seeing the upside for him. So, but then you have the volume that he should, that, that he should get, um, you know, given the state of their, um, given the state of their running back room, I don't think this will be the year that he finally, you know, gets involved in the passing game because Chuba Hubbard is, you know, he he's proven himself as a as a capable um, pass catcher out of the backfield, and they also have Raheem Blackshear, who himself is very good out of, out of the backfield um, ca- catching the ball, you know, from from a passing game perspective. So, you know, I don't, I I can't see him really getting that work, but you know, he'll be. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he'll be there. Um, Sanders, that is. I'm pretty sure he'll be their goal line back, their short yardage back um, there if they're, you know, keeping on schedule back. Um, so, you know, at RB20, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. But, you know, I look at the guys who are going around him. You have Godwin, Alexander Madison, Marquise Brown, George Kittle. Then you get to Miles Sanders. Then you see Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, Tyler Lockett, Trevor Lawrence, Cam Akers, Michael Pittman. There's just a bunch of other guys I'm more interested in from a you know from from an upside perspective around him. Like I'd rather have Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jake with Trevor Lawrence. Cam Akers is for some reason going under uh, underneath him, and there's a much better um, upside case for like a Cam Akers. So you know it's really just about you know who am I going to pass over to get. Miles Sanders on my team, and I've been very, very light on him in in my best ball dress so far. And it's really, it's really because I can't, I can't make that good of an upside case. Um, Chupa Hubbard, I've been taking a fair amount of him though in in, in best ball. Um, his ADP is one eighty two, and he is RB fifty six. So you're able to get him, you know, in the in in the late late rounds. Um, you know, that's like what 13th, 14th roundish. Um, 
you know, he could very well be the passing down back. He, um, he, he's one of those guys that like he profiles, he could have some pretty decent standalone value. And then, you know, in the event that either Sanders or Blackshear gets hurt, because I, I really do think Blackshear is going to play a role in this backfield. Um, in the case that either one of them gets hurt, then his, um, his, his stock will rise and his usage will rise. So he's, he, he's a very interesting player to me because he, he like we talked about when we talked about Chicago, you know, he and Dante Foreman, they were they they did some damage towards the end of the season um last year. So, you know, it's it's not much of an investment. I'm 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 fine with him like right where he's going. Um I've mentioned Raheem Blackshear twice. I am, you know, he's not on my draft boards, not not right now. But, you know, if one of the guys in front of him, you know, this is presuming that he's gonna be um, the, the third back on the depth chart. Um, I haven't seen anything that says he's overtaken Hubbard, but what, you know, you know, if, if, if Hubbard or Sanders gets injured, Blackshear is an interesting guy and he's, he's pretty electric when, when he plays as well. Like um, there's just, I would, I wouldn't consider drafting him like not even in best ball, but um I wouldn't be surprised if he makes some noise this year, uh, give, given an injury to one of the one of the other two dudes. For sure, for sure. Um, to your Miles Sanders point, um, yeah, it's very similar with Rashad White as far as like this bucket of guys that he's in, and I've already I mentioned those guys a little bit earlier, and Sanders is one of those that. I think I would have a little more intrigue than um, Rashad White on. But again, like, I, I just don't know how this backfield is going to um, factor in as far as the workload. Because like you mentioned, Chuba, Chuba was f- fairly solid last year and a fairly decent back, um, especially as an RB2. And then just along with that, the overall offense as a whole. Um, so to Chuba, though, He's coming in on fantasy pros as the RB, let me see, 52, um, 147th player rank. I'm interested on him as maybe a late round flyer running back if I'm, if I'm, you know, taking some shots on just some guys uh, to roster at the end. Um, he was kind of one of those guys that had a high yards after contact running with 2.7 yards. Um, that had him around guys such as, um, of course, his teammate Dante Foreman, around like Damian Harris and even Brees Hall. So, you know, he he was pretty good there making some plays after, you know, initial contact. So, yeah, Chuba, I'm interested in in a late flyer. Miles, depends on how my draft falls, but I think he's like Rashad White in that I really won't have much shares on him. Because, again, Cam Akers, like you mentioned, is ranked and going after him. I'd rather just take that shot on Cam Akers. Yeah, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's going to be pretty much the story, I, th- yeah. I feel like, this year on, on Miles Sanders. It's just what am I passing up to get him because it's very, very difficult to make an upside, um, you know, a high ceiling case for, for him. Absolutely, absolutely. To the wide receivers, we have – Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo, Terrence Marshall, and LaVisca Chenault. Um, as you mentioned about these guys, it's not 
it's just not like a high profile guy here, if you will. Or it's just not a wide receiver room that's just like you're really excited about. At the same time, though, I think these five guys would definitely be on. I mean, not every team, but on most other teams in their wide receiver room in some aspect if they needed a guy. But nevertheless, um, I guess Adam Thielen would probably project here as maybe your wide receiver one from a fantasy perspective um, as far as on the on the roster, not as an overall wide receiver one or top 12. Um, Great clarification. Right. I had to. Uh, but the thing about him is that his production the past two seasons has declined. And I'm sure some of that has to do with getting a ace like Justin Jefferson. But also this man is simply just getting older, right? Um, 17% target share last year, 1.16 yards per route run. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Not, yeah. not good, man. Um as far as these guys, uh, I'm not going to go in detail every single one of them, but all of, all of these guys, like, I have no interest in in redraft outside of Jonathan Mingo uh, simply because of his profile, like the speed and size. Um, it's pretty pretty good. Um, I love Mingo as a late-round flyer, um, as a lottery ticket guy just taking a shot on who maybe can emerge, develop that relationship where Bryson becomes his – go-to guy um a la like you know jamar chase with burrow and whatnot but yeah anyone in this rotation you just cannot trust as a weekly starter in your fantasy team yeah i'm i'm totally on board with that like 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 i said you know just uh during the bryce section it's just it's a bunch of guys who you know if they went like you mentioned if they went to other teams they probably slot in as the wide receiver three or wide receiver four on those teams. Um, right. You know, they, they, they wouldn't be a one anywhere now. So, you know, there is kind of, you know, on, on kind of the, you know, if you take that as a factor, it's like, okay, well, how do I play that in, in redraft, you know, I, I'd recommend, you know, probably looking elsewhere or, you know, if you get one of these guys as, you know, uh, a Mingo, a Thielen, a Chark, hell, even 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 Marshall, you know, as your wide receiver five, wide receiver six on your team and just like kind of see see what happens. Because, you know, I think, you know, one of them is probably going to have is, is going to, you know, kind of separate from the pack and establish himself as the guy. It's just hard to know um, because it was what, like maybe – Two or three years ago, that DJ Chark was was pretty decent um, in Jacksonville, was it? Um, so you know, there's a case for him. Yeah. Thielen, you know, it he Thielen played alongside an elite target earner, and then you know he has um, he has uh, Hawkinson come to town. So you know, maybe maybe he can summon the dark magic one last time. And, you know, just be a PPR scan. Um, Terrace Marshall was highly thought of. Well, it was kind of was he was. Let me not say highly thought. He was thought of coming out of LSU. Maybe maybe there's a, a path for him. So, you know, like you could tell yourself a story about any any of these guys, but just don't pay a high price for any of them. You know, 
I don't have a problem with adding any of them in best ball. You know, like I said, like as my wide receiver, like hopefully like no higher than my wide receiver six, you know, to, to help complete some stacks and whatnot. And, you know, you just hope and pray, but in, in, in redraft, I'd, I'd really, really, really rather avoid um, all of them because it's just hard to pick out who's going to be the guy. And again, I don't expect much of a high ceiling from this offense. Agreed. Agreed. To the tight ends, we have Hayden Hurst coming over from the Cincinnati Bengals, and they also have Tommy Tremble and Ian Thomas returning. From a redraft perspective, these should be guys that you should not be drafting at all. Um, I do have an eye on Hayden Hurst. I'm interested to see um, how he kind of slots in on this offense. And, you know, they did pay this man a decent amount. And so are they going to run him out there as the number one tight end, like getting that, you know, solid route participation percentage that you would want to see um, for a tight end fantasy wise. Um, last year he was tight end 18, saw 14% target share. Being honest, that's not bad on a team that features dogs like Jamar Chase and um, T. Higgins as well as Tyler Boyd. Um, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. just wasn't a whole lot of production there for him. Average around five targets a game last year. That's a streamable tight end in in some weeks, man. So Hayden Hurst, streamable tight end. Other guys, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm right there with you as far as you know that that word streamable uh, or that term streamable tight end. I I think that's I think that's probably where. He'll end up. And again, you know, you throw him into the mix, too, as far as who's going to be the number one target earner on the team. I don't think I, I don't think he's the most likely guy, but um, he, could, he, he could get in there and maybe, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he got in there and got like a. Say 15 percent target share type, type of thing going on, which would be really, really pretty good for um, for, for for a tight end. Um, but I'm not I'm not enthusiastic about about drafting him. Um, you know, he's one though, he, he's one I will have my eye on in season because you know it's, it's not like he's going to be swimming against a, a you know it's not like he's going to be swimming against a, a, a bona fide wide receiver room. So you know he could carve something out for himself. Um, he's he's another player I put a flag on. And redraft and and best ball, I'm I'm okay with him um, coming on board as you know my my tight end three. Um, I, I don't I don't hate that um, if I'm doing a three tight end build, I, I don't hate that at all. Um, especially if I have him working on a stack, you know, with Carolina or they have Jacksonville in week 17. So yeah, to complete a Carolina Jacksonville stack, I don't I don't mind that at all. Word up. Let's continue. Let's move on to the next team, the New Orleans Saints. Finished last year 7-10. and 10. They're over under this year is at 9.5, and, and that is the highest in this division. We go to the quarterback. Got a new sheriff in town. Got Derek Carr coming in here as QB19 on Fantasy Pros, 153rd overall ranked player. 
As a reminder, should have said it earlier, these rankings are PPR rankings on Fantasy Pros as of this past week. Uh, last season had 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and then proper <laughs> properly got benched. And um, the Jared Stidham reign began, and now they're on to maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. We talked about it. Um, Derek Carr... Interesting, interesting quarterback again last season has seven top 12 quarterback performances. Um, always been a quarterback that has just been a key, a QB2 guy that in certain matchups you would probably stream. And I would expect more of that to come, but I am excited at least, you know, with the weapons that he has around him, and we'll get into those here shortly. Um, you know he can he can support fantasy relevant um, producers if you will. He's done this with multiple wide receivers and tight ends with Devonte, um, Amari, Crabtree, Renfro, and of course Darren Waller and even Jared, Jared Cook for a couple of seasons. So the prospects of Derek Carr himself again will be in a streamable bank for sure. Perfect bye week fill in considering the matchups. Um, but yeah, other than that. I'm not drafting him in redraft or looking his way. Right. So, you know, there's, you know, talking about the New Orleans team in general, in, you know, this, this offense, um, there is a ceiling case to be made here. Um, you know, Derek Carr, I might consider him a slight upgrade to, to Andy Dawson. Some people may consider him a big upgrade, but the numbers don't really bear that out when you, when you compare them, but you know, how, you know, the one important thing to think about with this team is as it stands right now, like, you know, on, over on sharp football analysis, they have the Saints as the, with the easiest schedule in the league this year. Um, so, hey, that, that, that could be basically there could be a backdrop there for a lot of success for them. Um, as for Derek Carr um, specifically, ADP is 146. So, you know, if you're you're getting him in like the 13th round in, in underdog drafts and whatnot. And um he is Q, QB 19, just like you said in fantasy pros, he's QB 19 on underdog. So there's not a whole lot of investment you have to put into him, you know, if you want to complete stacks and best ball. But also, you know, he's got some he's got some weapons around him. You know, we'll get to the wide receiver room, but just to list off the names, you know, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, um, Kamara, when he comes back, whatever, whatever Kendra Miller, you know, whatever Kendra Miller can turn out to be. You know, a lot of people have high hopes for him and Jamal um, and um, Jamal Williams. So, you know, you could. Oh, and can't forget Taysom and Jawan Johnson as well. Um, anyway. Um, there's a case to be made for, for, you know, his surrounding weapons in conjunction with the fact that they're going to have the easiest, you know, well, they're projected to have the easiest schedule in the league. You know, this case that's being made, it's not made on the back of Derek Carr being a hellified talent, but, you know, sometimes, well, especially in best ball, sometimes, you know, you make your gambles based on, on situations and hope that those, uh, Hope that those situations, those narratives can play out 
to be true. In redraft, I'm um, you know in single quarterback redraft. I'm not interest, interested um, really in Derek Carr, but um, he's not in that. His talent, I don't think, puts him in that category like with with, with Baker or with another quarterback we're going to talk about um, later on where, you know, you really think that their weaponry might be dead in the water. Mostly because, like you mentioned, we've seen him do it before. We, we've seen him, you know, we've seen him support, like you said, Amari and, um, and you know, the things Devontae did last year. So, you know, I, I'd never really mind if I'm, you know, if I if he ends up on one of my best ball teams when I'm completing my my New Orleans um, who is it that they have New Orleans uh, it's not Atlanta I'm I'm drawing a blank on who they play um, week 17 but you know when when I complete those stacks I I don't mind it you know especially if I have a stud um, at, at quarterback uh, paired up with them so you know he's He's he, he he's okay, and I think he could luck into some extreme spike games. For sure, and they play Tampa Bay in uh, Week Seventeen. That's right. I knew that. I knew because it's in <laughs> Tampa, and yeah, the weather the weather could be great or it could be rainy as hell. So, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, to the running back room we go. Uh, very interesting situation here, as you alluded to uh, with Kamara in the legal situation, but we have Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, and Kendra Miller. I'll hand it off to you, um, kind of parse through these guys and your thoughts. Cool. Uh-uh. <clears throat> Excuse me. So com- news came down, was that today? Or I believe it was yesterday news came down that Kamara um, pled no contest to his charge in Vegas. So, you know, there's not gonna have to be a trial and the trial date was coming up on July 31st. So it's not going to be a trial. You know, the, the expectation is that he's going to be suspended. The stuff that you hear in the fantasy Twitter streets is, you know, four to six games. Um, so, you know, we, we'll, we'll go off that for now. Um, when he gets, you know, so let me say this. His underdog ADP is 100. Um, and he's the RB 33 by, uh, by ADP right now. So, you know, you are, you're, you're getting him in like the ninth round or so. That's, that's not bad because, you know, if we want to look at best ball in particular, you know, particularly if you're playing in a tournament, like, um, like best ball mania or the puppy, the poodle, all that stuff, you know, with the right, running back room that you've drafted, you know, if you drafted a running back room of guys who are going to, you know, who are going to be studs to start off the year, then you can afford to bring an Alvin Kamara on, let him sit his six games, you know, much the same way that's going to happen with Jamison Williams. Um, let him sit his, you know, four, five, six, eight games, like whatever it's going to be. And then just have an absolute dog down the stretch. Um, because like we said, like, like I mentioned earlier, um, the Saints schedule projects to be good, which means we could get a whole lot of production out of the running back room. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want him on my team like right now as my RB2 or my RB3 or something like that, you know, but if I can get him, uh, well, three might be a little strong, but 
if I could get him as my RB three or worse, like I feel, I feel very good um, about that because I, I think New Orleans, I think this offense is going to be pretty good this year. Now, for the other two guys, Jamal, Jamal, um, why am I drawing a blank? Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have a chance to step up during Kamara's suspension, and it's going to be interesting. You know, a, a lot of people like Kendra. I saw him play a few times. Last year, he he his profile his profile is pretty you know it, it, it's okay you know the, the kid is definitely an athlete so you know I think he'll he'll get his chance you know whether or not he's the one and Jamal is the two or vice versa during during these first few weeks like you can make a bet in fantasy that once he gets the chance he's going to prove himself indispensable um, now. Man, I just thought about this now, though. So let's run that out. Let's say he does become indispensable. For some reason, man, coaches, well, let me not say for some reason, but everywhere Jamal goes, like the coaching staff absolutely loves him. Um, wow, now I'm thinking this through. This does have the chance to become a very sticky three-headed committee. You know, <laughs> I do think, I do think that. Kamara is head and shoulders better than the other two guys. But if those other two guys get off to a pretty good start and then Kamara comes in, you know, that that could get sticky. But this is a thing where, you know, we we got to bet on we got to bet on talent. And so, again, to go back. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with Kamara, like especially at his current ADP. Um, I'm not too excited about Jamal um, because. You know, he's just kind of in the middle of these other two guys. Is he going to get the goal line work? I don't know. Maybe. And this is like kind of a team where they're kind of funky with their goal line stuff too, namely the Taysom Hill package. Um, so, you know, it's hard to get excited about Jamal, especially, you know, every Kamara and potentially Kendra do everything that he does. You know, Jamal Williams is a, he's a multifaceted back. He can catch, he can, he can get you tough yards. He's not much of a breakaway burner, but you know, he'll do that every so often, but he's kind of, you know, he's kind of bookended on on both sides by guys who are better at doing all those, all those kinds of things. So I'm really having a hard time seeing a path for him. And I'm not, I'm not ever terribly excited when I draft him. I've, I've drafted him a fair few times um, in, some of my best ball leagues, but I'm just, it's not a great feel to click that, to, to click that button. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a very, very muddled backfield, but I don't think it's one to shy away from because I genuinely believe that this offense has a chance to do some, some, some really, you know, some really good things this year. Agreed on, on that last point. And, that's why I started off. I'm saying it's a very interesting situation again, because of what's going on with Kamara, the whole buzz and expectation that he'll probably be suspended, you know, maybe four or six games and whatnot. And it gives an opportunity, obviously a bump up for Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller during that time. And to your point on Jamal Williams, like, yeah, he, he has the chops to do, to be, I guess, a three-down running back, if you will, because he can he can catch the ball as well and be uh, functional there. But like you said, it's no kind of breakaway speed element with him. 
And, you know, if you're playing fantasy and whatnot and into this thing, you know that what Jamal Williams did last year was such an anomaly. Like the 17 rushing touchdowns, and we've talked about it numerous times about the them being tackled short at the one or the two, and Jamal gets it in. Um, our Swift gets them there, and then Jamal hammers it home. So um, that and that's also properly priced in his ranking. Um, it's one of those things that even if Kamara is suspended for the four to six games or some amount of time frame, I still can't get down with Jamal Williams. Um, he's coming in as RB 38, uh, 97 overall. A couple guys near him are Damian Harris, Rashad Penny um, in the running back realm, and Jared McKinnon. I kind of rather take shots at two of the two or three of those guys, at least in Harris and Penny. Also, some guys ranked near him in overall rankings are like Brandon Cooks, Jackson Smith, Najigba, Samaj Piran, Jordan Addison. Again, these are overall rankings. So who are either a little above him or a little below him. And, you know, those are guys I'm more interested in looking at because those guys have higher ceilings than what Jamal Williams um, can do. Because regardless if Kamara, again, misses four to six games, I think Kendra Miller is going to factor in here. And like you mentioned, he has a very solid talent profile. Um, Didn't get a whole lot in the reception area, if you will, because it wasn't displayed at TCU. But I think he can be a running back that can factor in that aspect of it. So overall, I would look more so at Kendra, if you will, um, simply because he's coming in ranked as 51, 145 overall. You know, that's t- that's kind of towards a late round guy that I would be interested in taking a shot, especially if we have the Kamara news. Yeah. and But his ranking will probably go up. So, yeah. Anyways, I would take the shot even regardless now if I was drafting today. Yeah. Every single one of these guys is a gamble. But I think you can tell you can tell a story about about them and about paths to, you know, some upside like. You know, if we look at Jamal Williams, I'm not too excited about him. But like, let's say, let's say I, I, I built a team that you know, maybe I have Brees Hall on that team, and I'm figuring it's going to take Brees Hall a minute to ramp up, right? So you know, Jamal is going to, you you know, he's going to be out there uh, for those first however many games Kamara is gone, and who's to say he doesn't perform well during that suspension era? So. He can kind of help mm-hmm. carry and bridge that, um, you know, what you might forecast as a slow start for Brees as he works his way, as Brees works his way back from his a- ACL injury. So, you know, you can you kind of gamble on it on it that way, just the same way I mentioned before. Like, you know, say you start out super strong at running back and, you know, it gets to kind of the later rounds where Kamara is going. You could pick him up and just kind of roll the dice that he's just going to come back and be all, you know, daddy's home and and goes um, and goes <laughs> off to, to end it. And then with Kendra, where he's going, he's um, RB45 off the board, ADP of 138. So that's okay. after that's after the um, that's after the 10th. That's after the 11th round. So, you know, you could say you could tell a story. Hey, maybe Kendra balls out during the Kamara injury and you get um you get some you know you get some fantasy deliciousness from him so you know there there are smart ways to gamble on this backfield it's just that there is a non-zero chance that 
this this backfield could get very sticky post Kamara suspension. But I think that's kind of priced into where these guys are being drafted anyway. So, you know, it's it's an okay situation to invest in from my perspective. I agree with that. I feel like this this running back room is going to be one that we're going to talk about again um, before the season starts, if not once, at least two times. But let's move on to the wide receivers. We have Chris Alave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, and Traquan Smith. Uh, Chris Alave comes in as wide receiver 12, 29th player overall. Michael Thomas at 48, 114 overall. Um, I think once training camp starts, by the way, that Michael Thomas ranking will adjust um, even more. But at the current rankings, both of these guys, I have high interest in drafting in. Um, starting with Chris Olave, he is him, 26.6% target share, 28.1 targets per route run, 2.46 yards per route run, 44% of the team air yard share. He is him. Him is he. Yes, Draft sir. this man. 12th wide receiver overall. Um, I think that's probably – it's probably closer to a ceiling outcome for him. Um, I think there is room for him to be higher than that, but I think that's closer to that um, just simply because Michael Thomas, assuming he is healthy, he said this is healthy as he's felt and is going to be in training camp day one. Like I think Michael Thomas will factor in here, but yeah, I think he'll pay off as a 12 uh, for sure. With Michael Thomas, um, it's just about the health, man. Like, if he's healthy at that ranking and price, I'm in. I'm even in if he's at like a wide receiver three ranking, like 36. I'm in, whatever. Draft him. Um, the three games he played last year saw a 20% target share. Small sample size, but still lets you know that, you know, he was factoring in into this offense and um I believe they had the comeback there in New Orleans the first game, and he was big in that game. But either way, he had five or more receptions in those games and three touchdowns. Call him slam boy. Call him what you want. If he's healthy, <laughs> um, I'm interested in this, man. Um, as far as Shahid and Traquan, uh, Rashid has some games last year, but as far as for redraft, I'm not interested um, in him necessarily. Same with Traquan, as far as not interested. <laughs> Right. Right. So I, I really like this wide receiver room. Um, and again, keep reiterating it predicted to have the softest schedule in the league. Um, look, I don't have to go too much further on off of what you said on a lot of it. You know, I, I am really, I'm really excited about this guy. I think he's, I think he's a spectacular player. Um, he is going as wide receiver 12 in, um, in on underdog as well. His ADP is 19th, uh, 19th player overall. So, you know, that's, he, he ain't cheap. He ain't cheap, but I think it's kind of backed up by what you saw out of him last year as a rookie. You know, it's his rookie season. He came out and put up numbers and looked good doing it. It, it didn't look like, you know, it, it, it wasn't a lot of uh, it wasn't a lot of luck or anything like that. Like the boy can play. You know, going back to 
his days at um at Ohio State, you know. So I am comfortable with his ADP. I do so when we talk about though, you know, we talk about ceiling cases. Could he make the jump up to well, I don't I don't think I don't think he's gonna I put the chances there very low that he gets up to um Jefferson, Jamar Chase uh tier, but could he maybe get to let's say what like AJ Brown, Steph Diggs, um Devontae. Lamb, like Devontae, yeah, like that tier. I think yeah, I think that's perfectly perfectly reasonable. And so, you know, I have on most of my teams where I have him, he's my wide receiver too, and I feel great about about those wide receiver rooms. I have some drafts where he was my wide receiver one, and it's a little, it's a little, and eh, uh, I don't, I don't feel great, great as great about it. But you know, I right. just, I, I build those teams in such a way that I'm just saying, you know what, I'm placing my chips on this guy. I'm gonna build this team like I just got a stud, like I just got AJ Brown. Or, or something like that. But, you know, I can live in that fantasy world because he backed it up with great numbers. So, yeah, I'm on the Alave train. And just kind of last point, I can't remember what podcast I heard this in, but I thought it, I thought it was a great point. He's got good receivers around him in Michael Thomas and Rashid Shaheed, but not guys who are, like, just going to snatch a whole bunch of targets from him. So, you know, he's he's got guys that are good enough – to be respected, but not so good that they're gonna, you know, Justin Jefferson him or something like that. So it's, I, I think it's a very, very advantageous situation for him. All right, to move up, move away from Olave, I'll get to Michael Thomas. I'm, I'm kind of with you on Michael Thomas. Like I know there are a lot of people who are just going to completely put him on their do not draft list because what it's really been like. What is it? It's been like two or three years since he's played a full season of football. But like you mentioned, what he did put on tape last year, he came he, he came out and played really good football. So in my underdog, he's coming off the board as wide receiver 47. I'd be fine, and I have been fine drafting him as my wide receiver four. You know, I'm not as excited if he's my wide receiver three, but it's not totally, you know, it, it, it's not totally silly to think that he could get there. I at, at his current price, I'm like, you give me all the Michael Thomas. I, I, cause, you know, the thing about him is Michael Thomas was never a burner or anything like that. You know, the guy is a, he's a route technician. He's, he, I think he could be one of those guys that you could forecast to have old man game. You know, like the, <laughs> I, I, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not scared of him. And again, he's surrounded by other guys who, you know, you got to respect Shahid's and Olave's deep, uh, deep speed. That leaves the middle. That leaves the slant boy, um, the, the, the slant boy portion of the field open for him. And yeah. I, th- I think he'll be more than fine. So yeah, as a wide receiver four, I'm with it. Uh, and to get to Shahid, he is wide receiver seventy-two. He's a in, in best ball. That's a dart throw. I'm definitely willing 
to, to, to make. Um, you know, he he's a guy, like you mentioned, you, okay, you, you're not excited to get him in redraft. I totally feel that um, if he's on one of my redraft teams, it's as my wide receiver six or so, uh, wide receiver five or six, just kind of making a dart throw. Don't know that he'll ever see my starting lineup and he'd be one of the first guys I'd be willing to cut in the first week or two of um, of, of waiver wire runs. In best ball, though, like this guy's a perfect best ball candidate. You want you want to talk about a guy who can have spike weeks, you know, put up, uh, you know, three catches for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Like that's totally his profile. Um, so yeah, as my you know wide receiver 72, that is a wide receiver six. That's the end of the wide receiver six tier, beginning wide receiver seven tier. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely fine with that. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and Shahid, Shahid very well um, can be a streamable guy um, during the season, but yeah, I just, I just don't see it in in redraft as far as, um, as far as drafting him. But we move tight ends. Let's end on that with the Saints. We got Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, and I guess Taysom Hill. Yeah, still classified as a <laughs> leagues. What else? Um, yeah, let's go with you. Talk to me about these. Right. So with with Taysom, I you know okay, he's tight end nineteen, coming off the board an underdog, one hundred and fifty seventh player overall draft. That is perfectly fine by me. Like if he if he's gonna be my tight end three, I'm doing a, a three tight end build. I'm perfectly fine with Taysom at, at that price because he's another one of those Saints that could totally have a spike week. You know, it's in any time Taysom Taysom's one of those guys. You know, he could get you two points. Taysom could mess around and get you thirty. Like um, for and in a best ball context, that's you know, hey, that is that is extremely rosterable. I'm not that excited for him in redraft, though, because, you know, you will have to choose when to start him, and that will always be a harrowing decision. Um, and I'm not the type who likes to carry two tight ends in redraft, so I can't see myself really, really touching uh, Taysom all that much. Jawan Johnson is pretty interesting, though. Um, he's tight end 21. So, like, they're, they're and his, uh, his ADP is 170. So they're coming off the board about a round apiece around a part i mean um and Jawan really flashed uh he, he really flashed some uh some touchdown scoring ability and i think he's he's a hell of an athlete i think he's a good player i wish you know it's in redraft i'm not really that interested in again it's the same for both of them I mean, redraft not that interested but in best ball at at these prices um yeah sign, sign me up him as well as my um, I, I put him in that category with Taysom. If I get them as my um, wide receiver, excuse me, as my tight end three to complete a stack, I, I'm, I'm more than fine with it because Jawan has demonstrated an ability to um, to go off on spike weeks as well. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, oh, you hadn't spoken about that. I'm, I'm right there with him in the same in the same way I'm with Taysom. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I was about to say I'm right there with you, and you hadn't even said anything yet. So, yeah. I got you. Um, 
So yeah, with with Jawan, like from a redraft perspective, I think he could have crept into a draftable tight end, in my opinion, if they didn't also add Foster Moreau. And shout outs to him and his recovery um, with the was it is Hodgkins he had was it Hodgkins he was diagnosed with? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was either non-Hodgkins or Hodgkins lymphoma. I, I can't remember. The, whatever the whatever the quote unquote better one to have is, it, uh, that's the one he had. For sure, for sure, and yeah, shouts to the staff. Um, you know, looking out and signing him as well, our ownership, if you will. But yeah, I would maybe have. I think he would have crossed that tier potentially as a draftable tight end, um, if not for that addition. Because I mean, I think Moreau is going to still factor in here from a tight end perspective. Um, Simply because, you know, Derek Carr being there, them having a relationship, like, I don't think you can look past that. But again, Juwan will be a streamable tight end in redraft. Um, you know, 14% target share last year, seven touchdowns. That's pretty dang good. Now, we also got to remember they dealt with injuries in the wide receiver core. And so he kind of emerged as a uh, second, third kind of essential or third essential target. So, um, yeah, that that's the thoughts on Juwan. As far as Taysom, you know, same old, same old man. He's he's probably not going to be drafted. He's going to have his some packages. He's going to have a week where he gets two rushing touchdowns and be on your team, and then three weeks later he's going to be on the waiver wire. So it's, it's the same show, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. regardless with Derek Carr being there. Yeah, and they they there has been some positive buzz around him uh as far as camp as far as camp uh went like you know they were saying that they were using him more and um as a pass catcher and whatnot so you know if he adds that tool belt um if, if he adds that tool to the tool belt you know he's kind of he's kind of that um what do, what do they call that the swiss army knife mm-hmm. type guy so you know um at this point, I'm not that interested in redraft, but yeah, man, he is—he's like a best ball. He, he, he's a best ball dream pick, I, I think, just just because of all the different ways that he could spike, and you're not having to invest that much in him. So, you know, it's just you just have a ticking time bomb sitting on your roster. Right, right. All right, let's end this division talking about those Atlanta Falcons. Last year they were seven and ten over under this season, eight and a half wins. Man, seven wins for all these teams except uh Tampa Bay last year. Ugh. Um coming to it, we got the quarterback, we got Desmond Ritter getting the um getting the official start for the season. Um I guess I'll hand it off to you. Talk to me about Desmond. Well, you want to it's tough to really know what to say about him. You know, he he came in and started um, the final three, four games of the season last year, and he did not set the world on fire. But, um, and it, it was funny that we're recording this today. Um, I saw a tweet earlier today from J.J. Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback. who mentioned that over the last three, Ritter wasn't like too, too terrible. It's just that 
you know, they have some good per drive statistics. They just kind of got unlucky as far as uh, getting into the end zone. That's the only bit of positive, though, that I've seen with him. Um, I honestly don't under, you know, this is a little far afield. I honestly don't understand why this team um, didn't just, you know, with, with this with this roster that they have, you know, with the top-end young talent that they have, it just doesn't make sense that they're rolling with this dude as as quarterback with anybody unproven as quarterback, they should have gotten Lamar. But anyway, we're not here about the cut of shadow with us. Um, you know, there's not a lot on tape for him. There wasn't a lot statistically to like. He's the 29th quarterback coming off the board and and underdogs. You know, still above Baker, but uh, <laughs> but but not a guy that anybody is particularly excited to be drafting. Um, you know, I can't I can't see. I mean, not even say that. I can't. I certainly won't be taking him. And redraft and best ball, I think he does. He does kind of make my um, make that that threshold where you know I would consider adding him if I'm gonna complete. If I'm trying to complete a game stack with the uh, Atlanta Chicago game. So outside of that, though, man, yeah, I'm just I'm just super super out on on him. Yeah, redraft wise, I have no interest in drafting him. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe on a slight chance he could have some possibly streamable weeks, but to the point of you actually picking him off of waivers and putting him into your starting lineup, like you would have to see multiple performances from him leading up into maybe starting him in like a bye week role, but. You know, if I have to pronosticate on that, I I don't see that happening, but I am interested in these weapons that we'll get into here shortly. Yeah, it's it's a just I'm I'm sorry I can't get off this. It's just amazing. You entrust Bijan Pitts and Drake London to a third round quarterback whose, you know, production profile in college wasn't it wasn't great, it wasn't terrible. Um, but the, okay, one thing he does have going for him, he ran a four five forty. So um, I don't think he's particularly known for um, for for his for his running, but he he does have um, a decent athletic upside. So hey, maybe maybe that's something that, that will showcase itself. But um, I'm gonna have to be viewing it uh, from the waiver wire. So yeah, for sure. And to that point, he did have one game where he had 38 rushing yards, but. Yeah, that it's not going to be bankable rushing a rushing profile um, from interest as far as like starting. But, you know, he does have the speed. Let's move on yep. to the running back room. We do have Bijan Robinson from the University of Texas. They do draft him um, as their first round pick. And also Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson will be in this running back room last year. Atlanta, information per the 33rd team, they have wonderful stats there. About 97% of the runs that they were doing were zone type of runs. That's first in the league. The EPA per play for this type of run for them was second overall. Bijan Robinson's profile, scouting-wise, scheme versatile prospect that is best in zone run concepts. Uh-oh. He does the thing that this team loves to do. 
we call that a good mesh. We call that greatness. <laughs> we love we call that you love to see it type of things. Um, you know, with the draft capital that you have in Bijan, um, you know, he's gonna be the number one guy in this backfield bearing injury or just, you know, something happening training camp. Um, I would expect him to be um heavily on the field and the running plays, obviously getting rest. He he has a three down back um, talent for sure. We saw that at UT, so he should factor in there. It's just one of those things where you have other talented guys like Tyler Algier and Cordero. You know they're going to factor in a little bit, but it's not going to be enough to um, stop you from looking at Bijan as what Fantasy Pros has him as the fourth rank running back. Um, I think that's perfectly fine. They have them. They have them tiered in this tier two. Um, after like McCaffrey um, and Saquon and another running back, can't think of it off the top of my head. I should know this. Um, but yeah, I think he's perfectly fine in that tier, whereas him and then Jonathan Jacobs and uh, Josh ja- Jonathan Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs, um, perfectly fine as your first round pick later around there. Algier and Patterson for redraft purposes. Uh, their rankings as 46 and 53rd running backs overall. It's fine, but I'm not looking at drafting those guys. They're more so just handcuff um, guys in, in the in the streets of fantasy. But, you know, they become elite pickups if something were to happen to Bijan. Right. So, yeah, Bijan Robinson, um, what more is there to be said? I guess the only thing is, you know, um, I've – I'm used to I'm used to um, the best ballrooms, and so you know he's his ADP is ten right now, and basically the way that those rooms go, it's it's a wide receiver frenzy, and then like somebody will normally take McCaffrey like five or six, then Kelsey comes off, then maybe a couple picks later it's either Bijan or um, it's either Bijan or Eckler, and the way those rooms go, I'm 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 fine with that because there really is no difference to me. There's not much difference between like once you get to C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, um, get, maybe throw Waddle and Alave in there, so you could get Bijan and then come late in the first round, then come around and grab one of those receivers that I just mentioned. <clears throat> What's interesting to me is, okay. How early, and I haven't really thought this through too much, how early am I willing to take him in redraft? Um, and I, you know, let's say like like our family league like, that we do, like uh, in a PPR setting, you know, I've, I've been thinking to myself, am I willing to take him higher than what he's going right now? Or, you know, would I stay with the receiver approach? Um, you know, third, fourth, fifth pick in the draft, am I taking Bijan and... I got to, you know, as a thought experiment, I was, I'm seriously considering that that answer might be yes. You know, there's a long time before I start drafting redraft and now, but because, you know, like what you mentioned, he does what Atlanta likes to do and he does it at an elite level. His college profile is one of the best that's, that's ever, that's, you know, that's ever, um, that's ever been profiled for for lack of a better word. (laughs) So I'm super, I'm super excited about about this guy and the thing is you know to get to you know tyler algier you know 
the Falcons, given their quarterback situation, number one, given how they played last year, the Falcons could be running the ball like north of 30, 35 times a game. Bijan can't take, he, you know, I can't imagine they'd give him all of that. You know, there's no way this man is going to average. Uh, I don't know. I can't see him averaging north of like 20 rushes a game. So, you know, there's going to be a chance for Algier to, to, to pick up some, uh, to pick up some, some of the, you know, secondary running back duties. And as we saw from him last year, he was very good. He was very efficient last year. So, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of think he might, you know, he might have some standalone value. You know, there's a case for him to certainly have standalone value, you know, splitting that backfield work, you know, in a, you know, in a 70, 30 or whatever with, um, with, with Bijan. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't mind taking him, you know, I'm just looking particularly underdog. He's running back 47 pick number 146. That's, you know, as my fourth or fifth RB, I don't mind that at all. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Algier Patterson. That's a guy I haven't been touching too much. His ADP is 204. He's the 62nd running back off the board. Um, you know, there's been talk about him getting more of a passing, you know, you know, he did used to play receiver once upon a time, getting him on the field that way, you know, manufacturing a few touches here and there for him throughout, throughout the game. I just, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not too eager to draft him just because he's got, he's got some, he's got a couple dogs in front of him from the rushing side and it's just remains to be seen what kind of role they're going to have him in um, from the passing side. So I'm not really touching him in redraft or, or best ball. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you had mentioned about Algier, um, some standalone value there. I'll toss out a couple of guys here. Give me your thoughts. Um, Algier are the other guy based on fantasy pros rankings. Um, these guys are ranked uh, below him currently on fantasy pros. So Tyler Algier or Raheem Mostert. Um, oh, that is a that, that that is a tough one. I think I I think I'd go. Oh man, I think I'd go Algier. I think I'd go Algier. I I see a a, okay. a better a clearer path to upside with Algier. Okay, Algier or Kendra Miller. Oh, there we go. Um, I'm gonna say Algier again um, because Ken, Kendra is like an unproven commodity number one and like we mentioned earlier that backfield has real potential to get kind of sticky later on in the year um so yeah i'm going i'd go Algier. okay another guy there was a chain so i'm assuming that would be algier for the same reasons as kendra and mustard yeah yeah now okay. hmm, a chain is really intriguing to me we, you know we talked about him before his 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 athleticism is like off the charts Size-wise, he's not all the way there, but his his path to upside is, it, yeah, his upside could be very, very bigly. You know, his 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 path to upside is immense. Um, so it would, you know, dependent on the rest of my roster, I think I'd lean. You know, if if I got if I got some dogs in front of a chain, 
and then I want to draft him later to like really, you know, to, to take a gamble on a guy with huge upside that could just make the league unfun for everybody else who's in it with me. I'd, I'd go with A-Chain. I want all that. I was just talking about straight up value. I didn't want no roster construction, this, that, or the other. But <laughs> I'll throw one more guy at you. Uh, we talked about okay. him as well. Uh, Chuba or Algier. Um. Oh, that's that's a really that's a really good one. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Algier. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say Algier. There's really not much um, separating them to me, but I you know Atlanta. I should have mentioned this. Atlanta is they're projected to have the second easiest schedule next to the Saints this year. You you factor that in with like this team just wants to run the ball all the all the time. Um, yeah, I, I think Algier is going to have a steadier workload to uh, through th- throughout the season, just barely, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. Let's dive into these wide receivers. We have Drake London, Mac Hollins, Scotty Miller. And is it is it K- Kadero Hodge or Kadero Hodge? Kadero. Kadero Hodge is just a, ah, how it's spelled. Got me. Um, we'll start with Drake London. He's coming in as wide receiver 21 on Fantasy Pros, ranked 49th player overall. Solid season by him um, last year, all things considered with the quarterback um, play. Garnered 29.1% of the target share, same percentage for his targets per route run. 2.18 yards per route run on 398 routes. It's an interesting stat there because kind of guys who ran a target share or had a target share similar to him, more so in a 27 to 28 percentage, um, they had, I would say, fairly significantly higher yards per route run. CD was at 2.49. AJ Brown was at 2.89. Jay Jettas was at 2.7. And Amon Ra and Stefan Diggs were both at 2.55. So, you know, London's number of 2.18 compared to these guys that had a minimum of like 2.49. It it's a lot of factors that go into that, but you know, it's the whole some meat was left on the bone. You know, what factors into that is quarterback play, the potential routes that he was running. And then also he ran significantly um less routes than those other guys, with the exception of Amon Ra. And of course, Atlanta having the significantly higher run percentage um, factors in there as well. Um, interesting season again with him with, as far as when Kyle Pitts was there versus when he wasn't. Had four top 36 wide receiver finishes with Pitts there from week one to 11. Went up to five of those in six games from week 12 on. So, um, Little emergence there with Kyle Pitts not in the room, if you will. He's in this tier of wide receivers such as Amari, Godwin, Debo, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, McLaurin, and Jerry Judy. This tier that I talked about um, somewhat previously, you know, these are guys that are the projected number ones on their teams, but there's some question or something that happened somewhere as far as, again, new quarterback or um, – well, yeah, new quarterback or just a shaky quarterback in this scenario. It's a new, somewhat, well, somewhat new, shaky quarterback that he's dealing with here. So I think he's perfectly priced within these guys as well. 
as a guy that has some upside to be your upper tier wide receiver two and be an upper tier what wide wide receiver three as his floor. Um, the rest of these guys, um, in particular, Mac Hollins, um, from a real football sense, it made sense for him being out there. He he can run on the outside, um, even though they have a little bit of that with um, Kyle Pitts as well. But, you know, Kyle Pitts can line up outside or inside and, and run pretty much the whole route tree. Um, Scotty Miller as an inside guy. Um, I like that addition just, again, from a football perspective. I don't have much on Cadero Hodge. But either way, those last three guys, I don't have interest in the redraft perspective. Yeah. To start with that bit, yeah. <clears throat> Outside of Drake London, I'm not really interested in any of the other wide receivers um, in that in that room. But like you said, Matt Collins was a good addition for real football purposes. In addition to the reasons you mentioned, he's also a hell of a blocker. And, you know, yeah. he's going to get plenty of chances to do that. With so, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, as far as Drake London goes, you know, he's he's the you know, the, the story is out like right his his efficiency numbers, his receiving peripherals are, you know, they're they're they're, they're pretty good. They they are pretty good. They're very promising, especially uh, for a rookie. As you know, as anybody who's listening to this could predict that I would say, though, you know, so much of what he's going to be. And so much of what he was last year was quarterback dependent. Can Ritter, you know, can Ritter take take a step to, you know, help that pass game get better? Well, I don't see how he could be much worse than some of that stuff Mariota was doing. I don't know if you've seen some of those um, some of those clips on video for, of, of Mariota, like how he was just missing um, – how he was missing Kyle Pitts like all the time and missing yeah, Jake all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Ritter should be a step up from that. Will they open the offense or the passing part of the offense up a little more? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, what did they do in the offseason? They spent a first round pick on a running back. Not exactly sure that that speaks well to the fact that they're going to open the passing game up. But I do like drafting Drake London where he's going. His coming off the board is wide receiver 22, the 42nd player overall. Um, so, you know, you're getting him in the fourth round. If he's on my team as my wide receiver three, I like that bet. That's one of those, that's one of those bets where, you know, if if they do turn things around, if Ritter turns out to Basically, Ritter only needs to be like Brock Purdy. But, you know, if, if Ritter can get to Brock Purdy levels or or even better, and if the coaching staff opens up that, opens up the passing part of the playbook, if he if you got him as your wide receiver three, he has he has the upside to completely just be a league winner at his current price. I yeah. Yeah, I, I I like me some Drake London. I, I I especially like him at at that price, man. I I, I really really do. Um, he could he could he could dud, you know. He he could dud for a number of reasons, mostly probably doing either with quarterback play or a lack of um, you know, a, a lack of a uh, passing plays being called. But yeah, he's a guy you just with that with that profile of his, you just have to you have to take that bet at a wide receiver three price. 
For sure. And I mean, one last thing on him. He had, again, a 29% um, target share last year. I believe that was like second or third um, with wide receivers. But even during the time that Kyle Pitts was there, his target share was 27%. So he should command at least bare minimum a fourth of the targets in this receiving room. And, you know, we're not necessarily high on Desmond Ritter, but a fourth of the targets for a guy with his talent profile, like I'm in at a wide receiver two price. I'm definitely in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the tight ends. Have Kyle Pitts and John New Smith here. I'll hand it off to you. Talk to me about these guys. Um, so Janu, I, I won't be really messing around with, with, with Janu this year. I, you know, I just can't see a path really for him. Um, I think, it, you know, it could have him on the field for blocking purposes and stuff like that. But, um, I certainly don't think he's going to eat into any of Pitts' production. Um, you know, he may be out there like in two tight end situations and whatnot. And that's, you know. There's, there's just no fantasy interest there for for me. Um, I think he's a good addition football-wise, though, because he he can right. do, you know, the, the the guy. We saw, you know, we saw what he did um, just a couple years ago, I want to say, in Tennessee. So, you know, for for, for real football, you know, that's, that, that, that's really great. And he may pop up with the occasional spike week. Um, not enough that I draft him in best ball, certainly not in redraft, though, um, at, at this point, as far as what I consider maybe monitor the news coming out of training camp and blah, 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 if he could get a drum beat behind him. But as of now, no, no, not really. Now, Mr. Kyle Pitts, though, um, I know that a lot of people feel burned by him. You know, what was he? He was like a third-round pick last year, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, with the season he put up is, I, I know – I know a lot of people feel hard done by. I'm going back to the well with him, though. Um, ADP-wise, he's number 71 coming off the board. So that's what, at the end of round six, the the six, seven turn, the fifth tight end overall off the board. Again, you know, you want to talk about London. Well, Kyle Pitts' peripherals were, were good last year as well. A lot of stuff that was not under his control, you know, led to the lack of his production, like namely, well, one, getting injured and missing like the final, I don't know, four to six games of the year. And then, you know, just absolutely shockingly bad um, quarterback play from Marcus Mariota. Um, With his, so with his peripherals from last year, the fact that this man gave you a thousand yard tight end season in his rookie year, his athletic profile, his college production profile, you know, now you don't have to pay the iron price for him. Now you could get him late in round six, early round seven. That's that's a whole lot more palatable than what it was last year. Because last year, you know, for him to dud as a third round pick, that doesn't necessarily kill your team, but that's really, really tough. You know, it's not like losing a first or second round pick, but losing a third round pick is, that's it, it's just brutal. So, um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm down with Pitts, man. I'm down with Pitts at, at his price. Um, and it's the same kind of theory as with Drake London, you know, 
if things go right, if he's able to pop off, he's going to make your league not fun for the other guys, um, for, for the other guys and gals that you're playing against. Sorry on that delay. Had to unmute. But, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Like, the talent, between the talent profile, what he showed you his rookie year, um, I, I would be in as well. Now, you know, last year, like you said, third-round pick, um, only had three performances where he was a, a top-12 tight end. But, you know, he saw games of nine, eight, seven, seven, eight targets a game. So, like – or in a game. So, you know, five to six of those, what, 10 weeks that he played, you know, he saw, you know, a high amount of targets. So, yeah, I, I'm in on them too. Uh, fantasy pros wise, they have him as tight end six, uh, 67 player overall. So, you know, that would be a six round pick. I'm fine with that. Like if you, you know, get your, your running back or running backs that you like maybe and get three wide receivers and then go tight end. I'm fine with that. Now, if you yeah, happen buddy. to be one of those, you happen to be one of those that maybe you get a running back, um, wire, three wide receivers and a quarterback, and maybe you were a little squeamish on taking a tight end there. I can somewhat understand that. But I mean, if you getting like a quarterback like Lamar, shoot, I might take that chance. If I got a running back, a quarterback, three wide receivers, and then pits, then I would just come back and do, you know, maybe two running backs in the eighth, ninth, or tenth round and be on my way. So, yeah, I'm in on this, man. Yeah. I, I like his price. Yeah, that's that's just the thing, you know. Um, sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you know, you, you gotta put away the emotions from from the previous year. Like Pitts really, really burned me in several leagues last year, and yeah. you know. It, it would be so I can I can see how it would be easy to to just be like that guy uh uh-uh, never again but no like all the stuff that got you into him last year um, you know all those all the peripherals are still there just a just a little bit better quarterback play maybe a little bit uh, more passing uh, in in the offense as a whole. And hey, he could he could really he he could really do this. And you know, to say this about this team in general, they kind of they kind of are like uh in well maybe a little if you squint, they're like um the 49ers light in a way. Like they have premium they're not as deep as the 49ers, but like they got mm-hmm. premium assets at at you know at their skill positions. Just Man, I've I just maybe I need to start praying for for Desmond Ritter because just from a you know yes from a fantasy perspective, but like like I said like way way earlier in the episode, I like good football and this team can play some oh really 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 good football. Fun team to watch, um, but that's kind of a big if. So yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, let's get into these quick hitters. Let's uh, get some questions. Some questions answered. Got to start with the first one per usual. Who wins the division? I think the Saints do. I, I, I think the Saints, and really, it kind of just comes down to I think um, they have they have the best quarterback and um, 
probably the the deepest stable of weapons. Um, and their defense is supposed to their defense is supposed to, is always like pretty good. So yeah, I I, I think it's them. How about you? If you're looking at the screen. Oh yes. The Florida Lees. Yeah, have a bunch of Florida Lees on the wall here. I'm going with the Saints as well. Um yeah, it's it's just they got they got the best quarterback. They have probably well, I'm not gonna say the best defense because I don't know how Carolina and Atlanta specifically look. I think Atlanta's still probably gonna be bad um there. But yeah, they got the best quarterback, they got the weapons. They still got a solid defense, so yeah, I gotta go with the Saints. Yeah. Um, next question: Any chance two teams get in the playoffs here? I really can't see it. No. Um, so, like I said, I think the Saints win. It's gonna take. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if Ritter comes out and is Brock Purdy, just you know, stay hitting singles out there, then I think they could they, they could have a chance, given um, you know. How, how their schedule is projected to be light, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just can't see it. If I had to yeah. bet it, I'd say no. Yeah, it's a boy ain't no way boy for me. Next question. <laughs> what player are you interested in seeing real football-wise? Real football-wise. That is that is very interesting. Um, I think I think it's got to be Bijan. It's 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 got to be Bijan. I, you know, he's been he's like one of the most highly touted uh, running back prospects to come into the league like ever. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he's gonna do. Some would argue that you a hoe for saying Bijan because you know I'm a big UT fan and I, I wanted to get my Bijan. You know, hey, man, but, but, <laughs> but no, yeah, the answer is Bijan. But I'm also interested in seeing real life wise Chris Olave, like him continuing to be him, and like even with Michael Thomas there, um, you know, can he prevail as the number one guy on that team? Final question player you're interested in seeing fantasy wise, fantasy wise, that is that is interesting. Um. I'm tempted to say Bijan and Olave, but I'm going to go non-obvious division, and I'm going to go with Rashad White. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because I think he's he's a guy he has he has potential to unlock a lot of a lot of rosters, a lot of fantasy rosters. You know, um, people who are taking him as their RB two, or maybe even their RB one if they're doing a zero running back build. He's the kind of guy where like if he hits. And you did your work earlier, you know, you did your work in rounds um one through six. If Rashad White hits, he could uh he he could really be like a sweetener to a lot of rosters this year. So yeah, I, I think he's gonna be a pretty important fantasy player this year. Or he, he has the potential to be a pretty important fantasy player this year. Got you. Yeah, for me, I, I put down Kyle Pitts just from the standpoint as we yeah. talked about, like you got a six round tight end who could very well be a set it and forget it tight end coming in as tight end six has a ceiling to be a tight end uh, two or three, in my opinion. Um, It's just a guy that, you know, could be a fantasy winner for you with getting a thousand plus yards, maybe five to eight touchdowns in that position. That would be a major dub for your roster. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's stellar answer as well. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, man. Well, hey, NFC South, you have been done, analyzed, put it away. Got two more divisions. Before we get out of here, my brother, do you have anything for the good people? Yeah, man. It's getting excited. Training camps around the corner. I would say maybe maybe try to sneak in a little, a, a few little. Camps, maybe you could get yourself some good prices because once training camp does start, the news is going to be flying around everywhere. These these prices are going to be all over the place. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for training camp and to see what narratives spin, uh, spin forward from there. Word up, word up. The next division we'll cover is the NFC East. So looking at those commanders, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants, maybe we'll even be announcing Saquon signing a deal by that podcast. Hopefully. Because the franchise date um, will be passing. Or I know there's a better word for it, but yeah. Exciting times, man. Let's um let's go ahead and get out of here. It's Derek, my brother Daryl. We'll see y'all later, man. Peace.